As the Anarch Revolt died with the signing of the Convention of Thorns, the rebellious Stimitsi had found a new enemy in the Camarilla. Although the movement was still mostly composed of neonates and the odd Ancile, Vladimir Rustovich, the war hero of the Tsimitsi and the bitter enemy of the Shadow Lord Lupines of the Carpathians, decided to join the nascent sect not too long after its founding. With Rustovich's allegiance and the knowledge that the Camarilla was the brainchild of the hated Ventru and Tremere, it did not take long for the remaining Tsimitsi elders to join as well, realizing there would be little place for them in this new order of things. A scant few chose to remain unaligned, but paid for their independence by granting use of their revenant families to the Sabbat Simitsi. The La Sombra brought order, stability and structure to the Sabbat, much thanks to Gratiano and the others of his clan that he had taught in preparation for their revolution. The Simitsi, in turn, vowed to provide the soul of the movement. They aided with rituals, traditions and spiritualism to further bring unity of mind and purpose. The concepts of mass embraces, of blood baptism, and of course the Valdery were all Tsimitsi additions to the Sabbat. For a while, war raged between the Sabbat and Camarilla, and the Ivory Tower suffered several defeats by the Sabbat's furious attacks. The Camarilla, in turn, retaliated through embargoes, censures, and politics. Suddenly, Transylvania was locked out from the rest of the world, and with it, kind alliances. Much of the land once ruled by the Finns was taken from them, and they escaped either to the frozen north of Scandinavia or with the majority of the Sabbat, across the seas and to the recently established colonies of the Americas. In Scandinavia, the Finnish fiend witch Gunhild welcomed the Carpathian Tsimitsi, aiding them in further advancing their means and goals. Through old Scandinavian rites of allegiances and her experience fighting against a superior enemy, the Carpathian Tsimitsi developed further means of strengthening the bonds of the Sabbat Pax, creating singular cells who could preserve the traditions of the Sabbat as long as one single member would still be able to carry the torch. The reach of the Camarilla was too far and too strong, however, and the majority of the Canites of the Sabbat, especially the younger ones, left for the Americas, hoping to build power far from their European enemies. After the first civil war of the Sabbat, the sect was weakened enough that the Camarilla could claim much of their turf and many Tsimitsi found safety with the Native Americans, pretending to be spirits from their beliefs, all the while living amongst them like parasites. Meanwhile, in Europe, one particular Tsimitsi, Landulf II, although unaligned with any of the other factions, helped inspire the early movements of occultism intermingled with anti-Semitism and beliefs in racial purity. Landolf egged these mortals on, mostly out of interest in what they would find in their pursuits, as well as their beliefs of purity that he could relate to. As the First World War erupted, the Tsimitsi of Europe had plenty of opportunity to exploit the chaos, studying new and interesting ways to work the flesh. The genocides brought about in the 20th century, while man-made, were also haunted by the fiends who saw great opportunity for learning and amassing of resources during them. When the Iron Curtain fell, many of the old clan found themselves behind it, and experienced a long period of relative independence from the Sabbat, free to pursue their own interests. During the Second World War, the Russians' advance through Europe meant the destruction of many Tsimitsi havens, resulting in massive losses of resources and canine lives, including that of Shagra, who was destroyed through Russian bombardment of Prague. In fear of destruction, the older European Tsimitsi allied with those behind the Iron Curtain, and together they formed the Oradei League to ensure their mutual safety and to remain outside of Sabbat influence. They would remain independent even after the fall of the Union, 
but in a show of solidarity they have aided the Sabbat with diplomats, honorary bishops, and prisky in the modern knights. In Russia, the Tsimitsi infiltrated and took hold of several gulag facilities, using them for research and feeding. The Finns also took an interest in the Russian biological weapons program, using their facilities both to attempt to rid themselves of the antediluvian strain in their blood, but also to create a plethora of pathogens, mutated viral strains, and the like. But with the collapse of the USSR, much of this research found its way onto the black market, out of Tsimitsi control. Before we continue, I need to say that as the Tsimitsi of both India and Africa have much more extensive parts to play in history than what I've been able to cover here, I will devote another episode further down the line detailing these events more in detail. It is said that the eldest sired a man named Demdemeh, the progenitor of the African Tsimitsi. Allegedly, the eldest turned the still mortal Demdemeh inside out, so that he could see his insides, asking him what he thought of the view. Demdemir replied that it was no great feat, as all wise men could see inside themselves. Impressed, the eldest embraced him and left him to his destiny. Demdemir remained in Africa for a long time since, embracing his own children, building a city to humble the Egyptians, only to eventually fall into torpor. His rule over his followers was claimed by his child Sycorax, who traveled south, leaving her sire and some loyal ghouls behind at the foot of the Ahagar mountain. Another child of the eldest, Kartariria, was a fearsome warrior in life and became even worse in undeath. He traveled to India where he attempted to impersonate the Hindi deity Karikeya, the god of war, but was surprised to find that the Brahmin wielded their faith against him, seeing through his plot. Fascinated by the Hindu concepts of multiple states of being, interpretations and personalities, Kartariria decided to make that his goal of transcendence, his Ajidahaka. All those who followed the path of metamorphosis pursued their own Ajidahaka, believed to be something akin to an inverse nirvana. Instead of becoming one with the universe, the metamorphosists seek to become one against it, completely self-reliant and divorced from creation. The Tsimitsi have a long and intertwined connection with racial hate groups and Nazi ideology. While far from every member of the clan share these ideas, many fiends take great joy in immersing themselves in and stoking the fires of racial hatred, some even playing on both sides as it were. The Blood Brothers, the strange bloodline developed by the Tremere Antitribu and Tsimitsi Kuldunists, bear a striking resemblance to skinheads for a reason. Body modification communities and the more extreme BDSM groups have also attracted the fiend's attention, the Tsimitsi more than a little familiar with these aspects of pain and change. Some of these, as well as many other neo-pagans, body artists and modern primitives, display many signs of becoming the new generation of metamorphosists, seeking transcendence through the flesh. Fiends embrace for multiple reasons, but if there is one more common than others, it is ego. The ability to stand above others, the drive to do something impressive, to go beyond mortal norms. Those who are embraced are taught much of the clan's history and disposition in a brutal matter-of-fact way, quickly abandoning their mortal cares and replacing them with their sex goals and desires. Even the strongest will mortals change with the Tsimitsi embrace. Theirs is an intense, dark existence that leaves little room for morals, doubts or other human concerns. The Tsimitsi, despite their factitiousness, always have a voivode. This is a title given to the most powerful of their kind, and they are elected. They must be a masterful koldunist as well as a follower of a path of enlightenment. 
This, it is said, is so that they can be shown to be masters of their beast, and not some rabid dog. A conflict apparently arisen between the European and American Simitsi. The Voivod is a figurehead for sure, but insult the title and any Simitsi will jump to her defense. Despite the fact that the current one is practically unknown, has no Kuldunic knowledge, and the charisma of a brick. Another title amongst the fiends is Jupan, which is appointed to wise and powerful members of the clan, and they are informal lore keepers of the Simitsi. To become one, a Simitsi must first master the Zulo Warform, a monstrous amalgamation of nightmares. Simitsi rarely diablarize, and some eschew it completely, especially among the more experienced fiends. The reasons for this are unclear, although many elders tell their childer that they run a risk of being overtaken by their victims' souls should they perform the amaranth. And to many metamorphosists, the idea of another soul inside them is anathema to their pursuits. Younger Tsimitsi, especially those raised communally in the Sabbat, don't really seem to share this distaste for it. Finally, I would be remiss not to mention the presence of something quite alien deep under New York City. A sentient mass of flesh, burbling and moving, absorbing life, transforming and ever-extending like a large web underneath the three-state area. It keeps in constant communication with Lamba, its favorite child, whom it has elected as its personal record-keeper. In my next video, I will be presenting another perspective on reality, one soaked not in blood, but in righteous rage, as Mother Nature is ravaged by the servants of the foul worm. But until then, I would like to thank the Ancilla Edward Reed and Colin Gifford, as well as my loyal neonates, and thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.